Hello, welcome to the Grace Life Podcast. The message you're about to hear, if diligently applied, will absolutely change your life. We're praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, thereby allowing the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. Now let's join the service already in progress with Pastor West. Hallelujah. How many of you know God is alive? And where does he live today? He lives inside of you. You can be seated. Hallelujah. How many know it's an awesome privilege? We'll let our children be dismissed to Children's Church. I believe they have a big time in the Lord. The seeds of God's word will be sown and they'll bring forth a harvest in the lives of those children. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, glory to God. Now, as I was saying, it's, you know, it's a privilege to be the temple of the Holy Ghost. You know, sometimes, uh, I guess as a kid, I always think about this as I was a kid. You know, some people approach God's word um, different ways. But I remember as a kid, we had this big, huge Bible on the coffee table. I mean, it was probably four times that big. Huge. You know, my mom, and my mom and dad taught me to fear the Lord, to have respect for the Lord, and we did. We had respect for him. But you remember, we had some respect for that Bible, and we should have. But what I'm, what I'm getting at is this. Is, you know, I, I had chores I had to do, and I would dust the furniture, and I'd dust that table, and I'd dust the Bible off, man, you know, and, I would, and, and we revered and, and, and feared that Bible. But, you know, I never did really read it very much. And then when I did pick it up, I remember as a little kid, I'd pick it up and try to read, but it's just like, man, this stuff just doesn't make, you know, doesn't make sense. I start over somewhere, you know, and reading about the Hittites and Jebusites and the termites and the, and all the other mites and the ites and tites. And I thought, man, I just can't understand this. I, I, I'm going to read something else. I'm going to go watch Superman or Underdog or somebody, you know, Sesame Street, whatever, you know, I was wanting to watch that day as a kid. But, you know, I remember just, man, that, that's the Bible. And we should respect the word. Man, I love my Bible. I've had this Bible so long, I put Gorilla Glue in the binder on it when Gorilla Glue, fir- glue first came out. And I didn't know Gorilla Glue expanded. And I, man, I said, I don't want to lose my Bible. I, you know, this is, I got notes in it and I want to keep it. So I took the binder and man, I just, I, you, you, can you see it right there? Can y'all see that? Uh, well, you can't turn the back page good because it's, it's, it's glued all the way out to about here, halfway in my Bible with Gorilla Glue. And I went out to my truck the next morning and was going to get it to, to bring it in the house. And when I went out to get it, my floor mat pulled up with my Bible because the Gorilla Glue came out the ends and expanded and glued my Bible to the floor mat. But that's how much I love my Bible, so I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is this. You know, it's not enough just to say that's the Bible or that's the Word and we're going to reverence the Word. But what is it that we get and put on the inside of us? And how much of it we actively pursue and actively doing and actively involved in, that's what's going to be a blessing in our life. It's not enough just to, to say that you know something about the Bible. It's not enough to just say we know God is good. It's not enough just to say we know that the Lord's our healer. But, but what are we actively walking in and what do we know? What's alive on the inside of us? Because what's alive on the inside of us is what we're going to be talking about. Amen. I love football with the best of them. And I'm excited football season's around. But if all we ever talk about is football, if all we ever talk about is a, and I love fishing. A lot of you know that. Bill knows. I've been with him several times. Scott and I go at least once a year to the, to the coast down there, and we like to fish. But if all we ever talk about is how big the fish is, we call it, or we stretch it, you know, it started out like this, and somehow, you know, it got this big time we got home. But if that's all we ever talk about, see, and we're not, and the word is not living on the inside of us, then we're not going to get much benefit from the result from, you see what I'm saying? And sometimes I think that we hear things in church 
and it just becomes a cliche to us. What I mean, it just becomes comfortable. It's kind of like the, the, you know, the furniture in your house that you've had for how many years? You know, we've had some since uh, Grace, I mean, uh, Jessica was born. She's 22. Yeah. So I went to the furniture store to buy a rocking chair for my wife because she's pregnant. You know, and I said, any good husband's going to get a good rocking chair for your wife. They need to rock the baby and, and you know, they need to get up in the middle of the night and feed the baby. While I, no, I'm just kidding. While I sleep. No, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. And, uh, but, you know, there's certain things a man just can't do. And for that particular thing, I just couldn't do that. Now, later on, I helped out with some other things, but I couldn't do that. Amen. So I went to the store to get a rocking chair. And when I came out of the store with a rocking chair, I came out with a living room suit. I got the couch and the chair and the, the TV cabinet and the, the coffee tables and the end tables. And all, you know, I came out with everything. You know, so I went in to get one thing. I came out with all of it. But, you know, sometimes, you know, that furniture just kind of comes. You know what I'm saying? It just kind of, you just know what's there. You don't even think about it. You come in, you sit in a chair. You see what I'm talking about? You come in and you turn the lamp on or you get the TV remote and you turn it on. It's just things that are comfortable to you because you had them for a while. Maybe you've had a car for a while and you just, it's just comfortable to you. You sit down. You know, my truck's got settings on the seat and she's got a setting on it and I've got a setting. I jump in, I hit that button and it backs up and goes down a little bit and this thing comes out and all that and it's comfortable. That's the way I like it, see, for me. And there's things in our life we get comfortable with and sometimes that happens with the Word of God and the things of God we just kind of get comfortable with it and it just becomes kind of norm. But see, if it becomes, if it ever becomes comfortable and normal as far as just the word and something we've heard, then see, we're not, we're not really benefiting from it. Just like the fact that we're the temple of the Holy Ghost. If it just becomes a cliche that you've heard in church and you don't realize that when you walk, he walks. And when you talk, he talks. And, and if he wants to minister to someone, he's going to use you to do it. See, if you let that become second place, then you begin to forget uh, the importance of and, and the, and the uh, thank you, Holy Ghost, uh, uh, how important it is that, that he's used you and he placed himself on the inside of you. Imagine that. The Lord of Lords and the King of Kings chose you to place himself on the inside of. Man, that's awesome. That's awesome. He chose us to live in on this earth. He said, I'm going back to the Father. And they was all upset. He said, but be a good cheer. He said, because I'm sending someone that's better than me as far as the fact that he, Jesus said, I walked around with you and we had cookouts, you know, and we, man, we prayed and we did this. You saw miracles and all these things happen. We camped together. Could you imagine camping with Jesus? That'd be awesome. But he said, there's a better one coming than me. He said, he won't just walk with you and talk with you, he's, but he's going to live on the inside of you. Amen. Glory to God. He's going to live on the inside of you. When you go, he, he's right there with you. See, if they wanted Jesus back then when the disciples were alive and Jesus walked with them, they had to go find him. But we don't have to go look for Jesus. He lives right here. You see what I'm saying? So let's don't ever let things just kind of grow, you know, complacent with things. And that's human nature. Human nature is just to get, well, you know, that's what some people call him the old lady. Well, I don't call my wife my old lady. Now, you can if you want to, but first of all, I probably walk away with a sore jaw. No, no, she wouldn't do that to me. You know, I, I, you know, I might draw back a nub. Like the man said, you know, you touch my food, you're going to draw back a nub. You know, there's certain things I don't do or say. Why? Because I respect my wife. But human nature is for things just to kind of become complacent to you. Amen? But we got to keep them fresh. How do you do that? You do that by fellowship. You do that by spending time. You do that through prayer. You do that through reading the word. Amen? You do that through uh, uh, coming to church and being in corporate worship. You do it in, in private time spending with the Lord. So don't let it become second place or complacent to you. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to talk about something today that's, um, that could fit that category. It could fit a category that we say, well, I know that. 
I've, man, you might even taught a class on it. You may say that, you know, I've got books and notes and everything, but, but it's not about what we've done. What we've heard is about what's alive on the inside of us today. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I like to say it this way. You know, Pastor Buzzy, years ago, he taught us that, that we've already got the measure of the God kind of faith. Amen. On the inside of us, you have the God kind of faith that created the universe living on the inside of you. But what happens is when we hear the word of God, when it's preached, what happens is that, that faith that's on the inside of us, it becomes ignited. It's like striking a match. Boof. You ever done a, uh, I know Elliot cooks out a lot. You ever, before you know how charcoal starter really works, you know, you need to be careful with it. But I remember one time I was going to cook and man, this thing just wouldn't, it just wouldn't start up. I said, man, I'm going to put some more on it. I just soaked it down, soaked it down. I got over there with a, and lit down, man, I, I got down with a lighter and hit that thing and woof. I mean, it singed my eyebrows. I walked back and I was like, whew, thank you, Jesus. You know, but I mean, it, it was an explosion. See, it ignited something that set it on fire. And that's what happens to our faith. When we hear the word of God and when we study the word of God concerning healing or prosperity or whatever it may be, the peace of God, whatever it is, and it, what happens is the faith that's already in us, it, begins, it, it becomes ignited, becomes alive. It becomes on fire. Amen. Glory to God. And it's ready to possess. It's ready to take what belongs to us. Amen. See, what we, what we really believe is, is what we're doing. You know what I'm saying? If anybody's going after something or doing something in their life, it's because they believe in that particular thing. So why do you get up on Monday morning and go to work? Because you believe you need to pay your bills. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Why do you do things in your spare time or free time that you like? Because you believe in it. You want to do it. Amen. Well, concerning things, the, the things of God and what's been provided for us in our covenant, if we really believe in them, then it's not something that we just heard about, but it's something that we're actively doing. We're being doers of the word. Amen. We're applying the word to our situation. We're speaking the word over our bodies, or over our finances, over our families. You see what I'm saying? It's not just complacent, but it's alive on the inside of us. Glory to God. So this subject that we're discussing today may be that way to some of us, but you know it's something. That Brother Hagin said this, and what we're going to talk about is healing. We're going to talk about the subject of healing today. That it's not just something that we're looking for. It's something that lives on the inside of us. Because healing is not who God, what he can do, but it's who he is. Glory to God. He said, I am the Lord, your healer. That's who he is. Not something that we can talk about, but it's who he is. Amen. See, if you don't know Brother Bill, then it doesn't do anything. If you just hear Bill C and you don't know him, then you don't, that's just Bill C to you. But if you know Bill C and you know his character, then that means a whole lot. When you hear the name Bill C, then I think faithful. That's one of the first words I hear when I, one of the things that comes to my mind when I hear Bill C, I think faithful. I think a, a man after God's own heart. I think about a man that cares for people. I think about a man that go out of his way to do something for somebody when it puts himself, uh, uh, you know, in an inconvenience. Amen, because that's who he is. Well, see, when we hear the name Jesus or we hear the name God, we ought to just think he's my healer because that's just who he is. You remember last week, Pastor said God's good. Well, we know he's good. Why is he good? Because that's just who he is. He's just good. It doesn't matter what you've been told. You may have been told in your life. You may have been, have been through some things in your life, and you say, how could God be good because I've dealt with all these things? Well, there's somebody called the devil. <laughs> and John 10, 10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus, right behind it, Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. Life to you is filled to the full. Amen. Hallelujah. So that's who he is. Everybody say, he's my healer. <laughs> Glory to God. He's my healer. Amen. So, Let's go this morning to uh, Mark chapter 5. 
If you got your Bibles with me, with you, you can turn. If you don't, you can look at the screen. Uh, Mark chapter five. Hallelujah. You know, if you're born again, and then you, how, how many of you know if you're born again, you don't have to get born again again. You know what I'm saying? Now, I know some people disagree with that. Some people say, well, if you went out and you made a mistake and, you know, I used to think that as a kid. Bless my mama's heart. She didn't know any different. She, know, she knew different later, thank God, when we got into a church and taught the word. But I remember one time as a kid, I was riding a, bus, a, a big wheel around my carport. Man, I was getting it. Then around in a circle, me and my buddy, we were just going in circles and fast as we could go. And something happened, and I, I think he ran in the back of me. I ran into him. I don't know. And a few little words came out of my mouth. Probably wasn't the best words to say. And she heard it. She was in the laundry room. She came out. She said, boy, you know, you better not talk that way. God's going to get you for that. He, he, he's keeping up with that. Well, she didn't know any difference. She learned better later. Did you hear me? She understand later, so I'm not talking about my mom. But, but then she said that the, the Lord's marking that down, and he's keeping up with it. One day when you get to heaven, then you're going to have to pay for that. But see, there's something about the, the work of the cross. Amen. The finished work of the cross is this. He went to the cross, and he paid for all sin, for all time, he paid the penalty for it when we should have been there. It should have been us. We should have been the ones to go, but thank God we didn't have to. He went for us. And he suffered our shame. He suffered our sin. He took the sin of the entire world upon him. And in 2 Corinthians 5, it says, we may look at it in a little while, but it said, he who knew no sin, what did he do? He became sin. Can you imagine that? He had never known sin a day of his life, but all of a sudden the sin of the world was put upon him. He knew no sin, but all of a sudden he became sin. That's who he was made. And then the rest of that scripture says that he was made sin so that we could what? So that we could be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So you can't be bad enough. You can't do enough wrong things to keep God from loving you. And you can't be good enough to earn it to, to get God to love you. You see what I'm saying? It all comes by grace through faith. Amen. So once you're born again and you're saved, you don't have to go, you know, if you say something ugly by mistake, and I'm not saying we just go out, man, just say how ugly you can be. No, we have the, when you get born again, you get a brand new nature. You get the nature of God on the side of you. So you want to do good. Why do I want to do good? Because God's my, my father and he's good. So if God's good and he's our father, then we want to be like daddy, right? So we do good because we want to, because it's our nature. It doesn't get you brownie points with God. You know, you're not going to get to heaven now, I know there's going to be different rewards as far as what we did with the gifts, talents, and abilities that he gave us while we are on the earth, but I'm talking about to get in. You know, a lot of people think, you know, they're kind of scared, wonder if they're going to get in. You know, they said, if I just barely squeeze through the door, I'll be okay. No, you, you don't have to squeeze through the door, but you don't have to get born again, again. And Now, listen to this. Now, when I make this statement, I'm kind of throwing it out there. We're going to follow up with Scripture. Amen. But you don't have to get born again, again. And, and listen to this, you aren't trying to get healed any more than you try to get saved again in your spirit, man. You hear what I'm saying? Because in your spirit, man, is where God lives. And in your spirit, man, you're sealed by the Holy Spirit. And in your spirit, man, you're perfect because that's where God lives. God can't live in an imperfect house. How could the creator of the universe, the Holy One, how could he come live in an imperfect house? He can't. So in your spirit, man, where he came and he cleansed you and he washed you, that song we sang about the divine exchange. Glory to God, what a song. Man, it's a divine exchange. He took what we were, and we, and we became what he is, which is holy, righteous, without blame. Glory to God, a divine exchange. Amen. Can't do anything to earn it. You just have to receive it. Amen. You just have to believe it. Uh, that, that, that's all we have to do is we have to believe, and we have to receive. And the same thing applies for our healing. 
We, number one, have to believe it is God's will to heal. We have to believe that actually healing was already paid for on the cross by the broken body of the Lord Jesus. And then we have to believe that and then we have to receive it as ours. Amen. God didn't make things hard. He didn't make things difficult. We, try, we make it difficult, but he didn't make it difficult. Amen. So we don't have to try to get healed any more than we have to try to get born again again. Do you hear me today? Now, now Mark chapter 5, the woman with the issue of blood, she believed something and she said something. Now, you know, the, you know the, the story. And uh, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read all of it. But it says, uh, verse uh, 25, it said, a certain woman that had an issue of blood for 12 years. Now, this wasn't a sore throat that she got last week, you know, and all of a sudden she's, she's coming to Jesus. Giving that. He's, he cares about your sore throat. But I'm saying this lady had been sick for 12 long years. She had an issue of blood for 12 years. She suffered many things and many physicians, and she spent all that she had. Nothing seemed to get better, but rather it got worse. Verse 27, but she heard something. She heard about Jesus, and she came in the press behind him, and she touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Amen. So the woman heard something, she believed something, and then she acted on what she believed and she heard. Do you hear me today? Amen. So she said, if I could only just touch the hem of his garment. Now I want you to, to I mentioned this briefly a while ago, but this woman believed something, and because she believed something, she acted on what she believed. Do you realize that she risked her life actually to even get there? Because this woman was, was labeled unclean in society. She wasn't even supposed to be out really out of her home. She definitely wasn't supposed to be in a crowd of people. And she pushed through the crowd and made her way through the crowd. And she said, if I could just get to the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. And she got to the hem of his garment. She grabbed a hold of him. And all of a sudden, you know what happened? Virtue came out of Jesus. Glory to God. Virtue came out and she was immediately made whole in her body. Amen. And it was so much to the fact where Jesus knew something happened. And he turned to his disciples and he said, who, who touched me? And the disciples said, man, you, we need to go rest. You know, we need to take a break. Because they said, Jesus, how can you ask who touched you? We're in this multitude of people, this throng of people all around you. How can you say who's touched you? Look at all these people. And he said, no, there was a, this was a different touch. Because he said, when she touched me, something came out, virtue, uh, came out of him into the lady, and she was immediately made whole. Amen. So what we, what we do is what we believe. Do you hear me? She got up. And she went to do something. Why? Because she believed that when I get there, I'm going to be made whole. So if you really believe something, you're going to do it. Amen. If you believe you're going to get something out of church and you're going to show up. If you really believe that you're going to get something by going to a special meeting, you'll make the, the, the effort and spend the time and the money to get somewhere. Amen. If you really believe that you're going to benefit from whatever it is and you make the, the commitment to go, correct? That's right. If you believe that you're going to get a, a benefit from studying the scripture, then you'll study the scripture. If you believe that you'll get a benefit from taking time to pray then you'll take the time to pray. Amen. Because that's just the way it is in life. We do what we believe. Amen. Hallelujah. So that's what she did. She got the benefit from it. Now, uh, let's go to uh, John, the, the Gospel of John. Just go over just a little bit. The Gospel of John, chapter 3. Amen. Say, he's my healer. Let's say it one more time. Say, he's my healer. Amen. Do you believe that today? Amen. That's who he is. He became sick. We're going to look in the scripture in a minute. 
that, you know, it, it pleased God the Father to make him sick so that we could be healed. Do you understand the love that God has for us? Not only did he become sin so that we could be made righteous, but he became sick so that we could be healed. It's a divine exchange. Now, where is that at? It's in your spirit, man. The fullness of the Godhead bodily lives on the inside of you in your spirit. So all the healing that we ever need is where? It's in our spirits. Amen. And we can draw it out. We can draw it out by faith. Amen. We can draw it out. Glory to God. Out of the wells of salvation. Glory to God. Whoo. Glory to God. I feel something drawing out. I'm drawing something out right now. Whew. Thank you, Jesus. John chapter 3 and verse 17. Hallelujah. John 3 verse 17, it says, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And that's a whole sermon within itself. We don't have time to get into it today. But God did not send Jesus into this world to condemn people. Amen. Now, the church is good at that. Church are let out today and people go eat lunch somewhere all over this county, all over the state, all over the country. And they'll go out to a restaurant and, man, they, they'll be condemned. They'll condemn people left and right. Oh, can you believe what you know? Can you believe that? Can you believe? Oh, I knew what I saw them Friday night. I saw them, and they came to church today. Can you believe that? Well, that's not any more God than, you know, Santa Claus walking, you know, down the street and said, I'm Jesus or something. That, all that is is just, all that is is, is is judgment. He didn't call us to judge people. He said, let him be the judge. We're not the judge. We don't know their heart. You see what I'm saying? But there's people that do that. Amen. But Jesus, he didn't come to condemn, but he said, listen to this. He said, I didn't come to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So we're to take the same message. We're not to condemn. Amen. Now, I'm not saying just cover sin up and say everything's okay and all that. No, people need to know that they're doing is wrong. What they're doing is wrong. But most of the time they know already. How many of you know when you were living according to the course of the world that what you were doing was wrong? Did you have to have anybody tell you? When you woke up on... Saturday morning, Sunday morning, whatever, whatever you was doing the night before, and you had a head that, you know, Pastor Budgie said you had a head like a Shetland pony, you know, long as a Shetland pony, what it felt like you had, you know, your head pounding, whatever, whatever you did the night before. You didn't have to have anybody tell you what you did was wrong, right? You, didn't, you just knew. Well, the world doesn't need to know that, that God condemns them because actually he doesn't condemn them. Actually, what Jesus did on the cross is he took all their sin and all the penalty that they deserve and he already took it so that they could walk free. But all they have to do is what? There again, they have to believe that and they have to receive it. But the enemy has blinded the eyes of the world. That's what it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 4. He's blinded the eyes of them to believe not lest the glorious light of the gospel could shine unto them. See, that's his trick. The trick of the enemy, he leads them to, 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 to do certain things and then once they go out and do it, then he jumps on them with condemnation. And he said, oh, God couldn't love you. Oh, God don't want to have anything to do with you. How could you be healed? Look, what, look the way you've lived. Look at the way you've done things. I told my daughter a testimony this week. Uh, we had healing school. Miss Barbara, remember, we had healing school back in Clanton uh, for years. We'd have classes. I believe it was on a Tuesday. We'd have classes. and We'd teach the Word of God. Just some, uh, some awesome times where we'd dig into the healing scriptures, just dig in and dig in and dig in and get to a place. Sometimes, you, you know, sometimes. Sometimes you gotta, you gotta take some time to, to meditate and to think about it. Get, get out of this mind. This mind is, is, is tell you all kind of crazy things. Amen. You gotta build your spirit man to the place where the spirit man is dominant and it's in control. And it tells the body what to do. And it tells the flesh what it's gonna do. 
And it tells those aches and pains that, no, you're not going to stay in my body, but I'm, I'm healed and out of my spirit, man. This life of God that lives in me is going to come out in my limbs and in my arms and whatever it is, my back, my shoulder, whatever it may be, that Zoe life of God is going to come out and it's going to change what these symptoms are telling me. But it's usually the other way. People are using the symptoms as a gauge to whether they healed or not. I'm getting ahead of myself. But that's usually the way it works because they have a physical body, a natural body. When the whole time on the inside of them is a completed work. It's already done. It's already finished. And the devil wants us to look out here. Oh, my finger's still sore. Oh, my back's still hurting. Oh, you know, and, and, and we do have pain. I'm not saying deny you got a, a pain, but what we do is we deny it the right for it to stay. It's like Brother Hagin used to say. He said, you can allow a bird to fly over your head, but don't let him land on your head and build a nest. Amen. You know, thoughts can come and thoughts will go, but don't let the thoughts stay and let it settle down and build a nest and, and, and stay there. And that's when you take hold of it. You make it yours. So I told my daughter about this healing testimony. And this lady came, I don't know if Miss Barbara remembers, but she was from Florida. She was a nurse, traveling nurse. And nobody here knows who she is, so I'm not putting a poor light on her, but she came in the room. And when she was a kid, she, uh, she said we were playing outside one day. And she said, I was running. And I was running through the, the, the driveway, and they had a, a, a basement with a retaining wall. And she said, I looked up, and there was a wall. Bam. Man, she said, I just forehead everything right into the wall. She said, I fell back on my back. She said, when I got up, it just messed some things up in my neck. And she said, I never was the same again. She said, even since, you know, it was a little bitty girl. She said, I never been able to turn my head. There was certain she could get like right here and she stopped. She couldn't turn it on back. So, uh, Nathan, did you, are you the one that invited her? Do you remember that? You met her at the cattle barn, didn't you? Bike rally or something like that. Okay. I just remember when I saw you sitting there, I thought, hey, he's the one that invited her. And uh, so anyway, she came up to the, the healing line there to get prayed for after the class. And I want to tell you, when a uh, pastor laid hands on her, she went down on the floor, which you don't have to fall. That's just what happened. The power of God hit her. She went down on the floor. And while she was on the floor, I was standing right there listening to it. And, man, we heard bones sound like snack, crackling pop like Cracker Jacks. I heard pow, pow, snap, pow. You know, and all them bones in her neck and her back was being adjusted. She got a Holy Ghost adjustment. Didn't even have to go to the chiropractor. Right there on the floor. And then when she got up, Pastor Eric had a word of knowledge, and he said, uh, he said, I don't know what it is, but there's something in your past uh, that's kind of haunted you. He said, I don't know what it is. doesn't matter what it is, but there's something that in your past that's haunted you. And he said, God's setting you free from that right now. Right now you're free from it. Well, she leaves. We don't hear anything from her for a while, a few months, whatever. We get a letter in the mail to the church. And she told, uh, in, in the letter there, she said, Pastor, she said, I'm just so thankful that I came. She was thanking Nathan for inviting her. And she said, but uh, yes, I got healed of the next situation and all that. She said, that was awesome. She said, but, but what was so amazing about it was, she said, what you spoke to me at the end. And she said, I have, I've, in, a, in my younger years before I became a nurse, she said, I lived a lifestyle that wasn't, you know, the most upstanding life. She said, I did some things that were wrong and I lived that way for a while. And she said, when I did, I, I contracted a disease. And the doctor told me that I'd never be free from it. I'd have it the rest of my life. She said, but I'm, I'm wanting to tell you in this letter, she said, I went to the doctor and I'm completely free from it. Completely free. It's gone. There's no trace of it. No side effects from it, nothing. I'm completely free. And she said, the greatest thing of that is, is that God proved to me that he loves me. She said, because all these years, I thought that God was mad at me. All these years, because I had this particular disease, that I thought God was punishing me. God put the punishment of all of us on Jesus on the cross. Amen. And because he suffered, we've been made free. Amen. Glory to God. We've been made free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he's just as much healer 
Is he your savior? Do you hear me today? So John chapter three, verse 17, it said he didn't come to condemn, but he came to save. And a lot of you know this, but we're going to look at this, this word save for just a moment and get into the definition of it. But the word save means sozo. In the Greek, it's, it means sozo. And even that word sozo in the, in the church today just kind of, oh man, you know, sozo. You know, it's like, I've, I've seen, you know, this one, uh, well, I better be quiet. I've seen something that was, had the name on it, uh, and it's fine to use that, but but there again, I'm, what, what my point is is this: is, is it just become complacent to it? It's just another buzzword that we've heard. But what does sozo really mean? What does being saved really mean? What did it do? The, the Greek word sozo means to save, to keep safe and sound, to rescue from danger or destruction. Now listen, this this is what happened when you got born again. This is what God did on the inside of you. It's not just your sins forgiven. You know, most people think being a Christian, we're just going to come to church on Sunday. You know, we're going to be good people and we're not going to kill anybody. And, you know, we're going, we're going to act nice. We're going to go eat lunch after church or whatever. And we're going to have a few socials and one day we'll just make it to heaven. And we're going to struggle and we're going to, you know, barely get by or whatever. But no, there's so much more to being a believer, to being a Christian. In fact, this is God gave everything in Jesus so that you could experience everything that he is. Do you understand that? God loved you so much that he gave everything. And he desires so much for us as a believer and his children to walk in it. How many of you want your children to walk in uh, the blessings of God? How many of you, you want your children to, to experience the good things in life? Do you want them to live in poverty? Do you want them to live in sickness and torment? Do you want them to live on the street somewhere? No. Why? Because they're your children. Well, how much more is God a good father? How much more is God, our heavenly father, want us to experience the good things in life? Amen. It's the thief. It's the thief. And I'll shout it from the rooftop. It's the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy but it's Jesus that came to give us life and life more abundantly. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. I tell you, I'm tired of the devil lying to people. <laughs> Amen. So it's more to our salvation. It means to save, to keep safe and sound, to rescue. God has rescued us. Amen. To save a suffering one from perishing. To save someone from disease. To make well. To heal. To restore to health. To preserve one who's in danger of destruction to save or rescue, to save in the technical biblical sense, to deliver from the uh, penalty of the law. And then finally, this is one that we're most familiar with. It means to, to be complete. It means nothing missing or nothing broken. To be complete. There's nothing missing or nothing broken. Well, then you know, then people have questions. Well, why am I dealing with this situation? Why do I have this pain? Why do I have this? Why am I dealing with this financial situation right now? Well, we're completing him where? Right here. Does it have anything to do with your financial situation? If Jesus said he made you rich, then what difference does it make what you have in your pocket right now? You might have made some wrong decisions, wrong choices. He loves you anyway. Does that mean he wants you to, to make good choices? Of course he does. Amen. But he loves you because you're his child. He loves you because you're his son or his daughter. And he wants you to live in the best and have the best and experience the best. Amen. Because he gave his best. Glory to God. So, complete, nothing missing, nothing broken. Where, where is it at again? It's right here on the inside. We're complete in him. It's Colossians chapter 2, I believe it says that you're complete in him. Glory to God. It said, Amplified, I believe it says the, the, the Godhead, it said the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost lives in you. The Godhead bodily lives on the inside of you, and you're complete in him. Complete means complete. I don't have to look that up. Amen. Y'all need to look it up? You want me, you want me to check on it for you? Y'all... Now, some of you went to Chilton County. I know y'all I know y'all are smart. Amen. Now, I don't know where Levi went. He went to Shelby County, didn't he? Oh, man. No, I'm just kidding. Hallelujah. 
Shelby County. Hallelujah. It's a blessed, blessed place. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, see, we go back and forth about that because I'm, I'm from Chilton County. He's from Shelby County. You know, he told me one time, he's talking about all the trailers and everything in Chilton County and some of the places. I'm like, now, I've been through Shelby County up here a few places. <laughs> I'm like, and there's, there's some places in Shelby County. Amen. Hallelujah. Moving right along here. Acts. Let's go to uh, the book of Acts chapter 10 real quick. Acts chapter 10. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. It says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about making people sick. Does it say that? Oh, I'm sorry. It said, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Then it say he went about negotiating with him. He didn't go around and ask him to fill out an application. <laughs> Could you imagine that? Now, we're going to see if you're good enough to fill this out. And, and, you know, if you've been good enough this week and you've done enough good things, then we'll see if you, you qualify. No. said he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the enemy, for God was with him. Glory to God. I believe this is the... Uh, the message translation here I got in my notes, it says, Then Jesus arrived from Nazareth, anointed by God with the Holy Spirit and ready for action. I like that. He was ready for action. He went through the country helping everyone who was beaten down by the devil. He was able to do all this because God was with him. So we've already mentioned this, but 2 Corinthians 4.4 uh, in the message translation, it says, they, Their eyes are stone blind to the day spring brightness of the message that shines unto Christ. See, people don't understand these things. They don't understand what's been provided to them in the, in the finished work of Christ. And we have to remind ourselves. Amen. It's more than just salvation. We don't need to, I'm going to say that again. We're not trying to get saved or healed any more than we're trying to get saved again. It's a completed work. Amen. But we have to believe that and receive that. And we have to use our authority. Amen. And we have to talk to this flesh and to this body and to the enemy. <laughs> he said, all power and authority I've given unto you. Hallelujah. So, they're stone blind to the day spring brightness of this message that shines with Christ, who gives us the best picture of God that we'll ever get. So that scripture tells us that Jesus came to give us a picture of God and it says that, that it's the best picture of God that you'll ever get. He said, if you want to know what God's like, look at Jesus. So what did Jesus do? He went about doing good and healing. Do you hear me? People say, well, I wonder if God put that on me. No. Jesus came to reveal who the Father is, that it's the best picture of God you'll ever get. So if Jesus made people sick, I guess God did. But everywhere Jesus went, what did he do? He healed. Everywhere he went, he went about doing good, delivering and setting free. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Reminds me of the woman caught in an act of adultery. Man, she was caught, you know, we were joking about this the other night. You know, she got caught in the act. Now, they didn't, they didn't bring whoever she was involved with. They just brought her. Somebody had to be involved with her. Where were they at? They just want to condemn her. But she was caught, and, and, and the law said, what should we do to her? The law said to stone her. Because in the law it says, if they're caught in active adultery, this, this is the penalty. We're going to stone you. But, then Jesus, they, but see, they wanted to catch Jesus. They want to know if Jesus, is, is he going to keep the law, or what's he going to do here? 
So they were trying to catch him. So he, you know, you know the story. He bent down and started writing in the dirt. Some people say he wrote on the stones, where it, it, it represented the, the law or the stone writings, like Moses wrote the, the law on the stone, or the Spirit of God wrote the law there. So he bent down, he began to write, and then he looked up and he said, "Well, any of you without sin, go ahead and cast the first stone." And you know what happened? They dropped it one by one. Clunk, 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 dropped them down. They were all gone. And then a woman said, uh, well, you know, ask her, if he, am I accused or am I guilty? And then he asked her, well, where are your accusers? And she said, I have none, Lord. And he said, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. See, he, wasn't, he didn't come to condemn. He came to set free. And in, that, uh, uh, in, in, in what happened there when he set her free, he not only set her free, but he gave her the power to live free. Do you see that? He gave her the power, the love of God, not only, hallelujah, thank you, Holy Ghost. The love of God not only um, takes them to Jesus and to freedom, but the love of God will take people and say, okay, I'm not just going to push you, you know, I'm not going to push you down in your mistake. I'm not going to condemn you and push you down in your failure and just tell you how bad you are and how, you know, you got to straighten up. Some people, you know, some people say, I couldn't come to church or the roof would fall in. I couldn't do that because I've been through all these things. Well, no. Jesus said, no, to lift people up. And love, what love does, when you love somebody, love shows somebody how to come out. Love shows somebody how to come out of the situation. Amen. Judgment and hate keeps people down, but love brings them up. Amen. So that's what we need to do. We need to love people, and we bring them out. Show them the love of Christ. Show them the way out, and that's what it does. It shows them how, how to be free from that lifestyle. And that's what he did to that lady that was caught in active adultery. He not only set her free, but he said, I'm giving you the grace and the ability, the anointing to go and walk free. Amen. And that's the way it works with an with alcohol situation, a drug problem, whatever it is. He not only will set you free, but if you'll walk in his grace and depend upon him, he'll give you the ability to stay free from that. Amen. Amen. That's how we love one another. Amen. That's how spouses stay together without killing each other. Amen. That's how you raise kids without, you know, yeah, you know going to the DHR come and, and check on you. Amen. Why? Because we have the grace and the mercy of Christ living on inside of us. It's a power and ability to do what we can't do for ourselves. Amen. So let's move ahead here. Second Corinthians 4, 4 again, it says that their, their eyes are blinded to the glorious light of the gospel. Why? Because God is good. That's just who he is. We mentioned that. That's just his nature. He's a good God. And healing, now listen to this, healing is just who he is. It's not something that he does. We need to, we need to, we need to realize that he's my healer. That's who he is. Amen. It's who he is. So many people have these little pet sicknesses. You ever met anybody that had one? They got a little pet sickness or whatever, and they'll say, my, you know, I got this aching shoulder or whatever. I got this, you know, I, I was around somebody the other day. I'm not going to mention any names. We don't know where. I don't even know. I'm not live, Emma. I'm not on today, which I'm not condemning anybody, but I'm just, it's, it's just, in fact, I have the opportunity. I'm going to minister to them if they let me. But they said, you know, the Lord... <laughs> It's kind of a short person anyway. They said, the Lord didn't make me, but four foot ten, I think. And, uh, and, and they said, on top of that, he put uh, bursitis in one foot, and I can't hardly walk in it, and then he put arthritis in the other one. He said, well, God's really got a sense of humor. And I thought, now I wasn't, I wasn't direct in the conversation. I was beside some people, and I heard him talking. I thought, man, you don't, you, don't know who, you don't know my God. You don't know who God is. You don't really know his true character and nature. Now, they're saved. They're born again. I know they'd go to heaven today if Jesus returned, but they don't know the true character and nature of God. The thief come to steal, kill, and destroy. Amen. Not God. They have these pet, pet sicknesses where they say, it's my, they take ownership of it. It's my shoulder or my back or my bursitis, my arthritis. I don't like any of the arthritis or all the rightest brothers. 
I don't like any of them. I don't care what the name is. Run them all off. Amen. I don't like any of them. They're not from God. So we are his body in the earth. Now think about this. If we're his body in the earth, then how could it make sense for God to put sickness on his body? If we're his ambassadors, the ones that's called to do his plan and carry out his plan in the earth, if we're called to reconcile people back to Christ, how are we going to do it beat down and broken and sick? How can we do it? It'd be kind of like the president. I've never been in the military, but, but I know the ones that have would agree. It'd be like the president lining up soldiers. He said, okay, well, let's, shoot, you know, let's shoot them in the foot or the leg or do something, then we're going to send them to battle. Now, what sense would that make? None. No, you want them in tip-top shape. You want them trained. You want them healthy, whole, strong, and sharp mentally. Amen. Amen. So what sense would it make? You see, sometimes the enemy puts these things in people's minds, and they believe these things, and it's just really a lie from hell. It's what it is. It's straight from hell. It's a lie to keep people in bondage because it wouldn't make any sense. So how much more would God, if we're his ambassadors in the earth, and he wants us to do his plan and carry out his will and his purpose, would he want us to be in that condition? He wouldn't want us to be. Amen? He wouldn't take us out and say, well, I'm going to put this on you. I'm going to give you a little more bursitis here to keep you, you know, to keep you humble. I'm going to give you a little more arthritis in this hand just to, you know, I don't want you to think too much of yourself. No, that's not God. Yeah. Amen. And we're going to look at a scripture in a minute that, that, that if you can leave this place today and still believe that God does things this way, then, then, then I, don't, I don't know how you can believe it. Because what, what Jesus went through on the cross and on the way to the cross, before he even got to the cross, he was beaten in such a way, in such a form, that he didn't even resemble a man. And it was by those wounds, the Bible says, that were healed, by the stripes that were laid upon his back, by the, his beaten and broken body. And if you've seen the Passion of the Christ, then I'm telling you what, we, when we go to the mission field in Peru, every, every morning before we go out on the mission field, we go out to preach the gospel, lay hands on the sick. Before we go out, uh, Brother C, Missionary C, which is, his brother, Bill's brother, y'all know who I'm talking about. He puts the TV screen up, a projector, whatever we have to work with, and we watch the Passion of the Christ, just a section of when Jesus is on his way to the cross. And every time, I'm telling you what, it, it just it, it just reiterates how much God loves people. And if there's anything in our minds, or any, we woke up with a little bit of pain, or we woke up with a little bit of tiredness, or we woke up thinking, well, I don't really want to go today, or we wake up thinking, I'd rather be back home in my warm bed because I took a cold shower the night before, ice cold shower, and it's cold in the country we're in, and it's ice cold in the shower. You know, but when we watch that, it's like all that leaves because we realize how much God loves people. And when his body is beaten and, and, and he's down on the ground, falls down on that whipping post, but he knows that it's not finished yet. What does he do? He stands back up. And those soldiers looked at each other and they thought, what kind of man is this? Who is, who is he? And how could he even think to do something like this? But he knew it wasn't over. It wasn't finished. He hadn't suffered enough. He hadn't taken the penalty of the world of what he was called to do at the time. He hadn't taken it all yet. And he stood back up. That's how much Jesus loves us. Glory to God. So healing was paid for. Healing is our birthright. Amen. Healing is part of our covenant. Healing is part of our salvation. Amen. Do y'all believe that today? There again, when we're saved and we become complete in him, we're also healed where? In our spirit, man. And that's where we live from, in our spirit, man. How many of you feel saved every day? Be honest. Do you? I mean, I don't. Every day, do you feel saved every day? Sometimes you may not feel saved, but feeling saved has nothing to do with whether you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior or not. So the same thing is with healing. You may not feel healed every day. 
Amen. Now, when I was 20, I didn't even know I had a body. 17, 18, 20, I didn't even know I had a body. What I mean by that, you know, I, man, I, I never hardly had any pains. But I got a few sometimes, and I've had a few sometimes. Amen. But we don't go by our feelings. Glory to God. We go by what the Word of God says. Now, let's go to uh, Isaiah 53. You can't talk about healing and not go to Isaiah 53. Before you do that, we're still in the, in the New Testament. Go Stay in the New Testament. Go to 1 Peter. We're going to look at it real quick, and then we're going to jump over to Isaiah. Go to 1 Peter. Hallelujah. Y'all okay with this? Glory to God. Well, he put it on my heart, and I wanted to obey. Hallelujah. God is good. He is our healer. It's part of our covenant. He's paid a penalty for it. He became sick so that through his sickness, we could be made whole. Amen. Hallelujah. We got three places we're going to look at before we finish today. Uh, I want you to stay. Where did I tell you to go? Second Peter, stay there. I mean, first, first Peter. You know where I'm going. But stay in first Peter, and I'm going to look at a, a passage right here. I've quoted it, but I want to look at it real quick. It's 2 Corinthians 5 that, we, that we've quoted, but it's verse uh, 21. It says, for he hath made him to be sin for us. Now think about that just a minute. Jesus had never known sin. He had been completely united with God. He left heaven, came to earth to be a man, never known sin, but God made him to be sin, who knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Now there's so much more in this verse. You hear the word sin, you just think about your sins being forgiven, but no, what this is really talking about is talking about the curse of the law. It's talking about everything that comes with sin. And really in the Old Testament, if somebody was sick in the Old Testament, the first thing they want to do is they want to go and say, well, if this person's sick, they, what kind of sin are they involved in? And, and there's a lot of places in Scripture you'll see where, where their family's child or whatever was sick, and they'd, they'd immediately assume that the, the, the parents were involved in some type of sin because they equated sin and sickness together. So in this verse, it's not just talking about sin as far as bad things or works or things that you do wrong. What it's talking about is a sin nature. It's talking about the curse of the law. We don't have time to get into it in 10 minutes, but it's talking about the curse of the law. But we've been redeemed from the curse of the law, which is poverty, is sickness, and is spiritual death. We've been redeemed from that. Christ was made a curse, became a curse, so that we could be set free from the curse. Y'all understand that? Verse 21, it says, for our, this is the Amplified, for our sakes he made Christ to be sin who knew no sin so that in and through him we might become endued with, viewed as being in and examples of the righteousness of God, what we ought to be approved and accepted in right relationship with him by his goodness. Amen. So you could also say in the same verse that he was made sick. And because he was made sick, we're made whole. Amen. He paid the penalty of sin. He paid the penalty that we should have paid. Amen. Now let's, you're still there. I'm going to get over there. First Peter 2. Do you know Jesus didn't come to suffer with you? I heard a, any of you ever start, uh, studied after Brother Hagin, you probably heard him tell this story. But he went to prayer line one day and his lady came up for prayer. And uh, she said, you know, she just wanted some of her burdens removed. She said, if the Lord can just take most of my burdens, they said, I can keep some of them. I can, I can take a few and carry a few, but if the Lord can just take 
some of them, I'll be okay. Well, the Lord don't want, to, want us to keep some of them. He came to take all of them, amen? He didn't, it, it's not a uh, suffer with mentality. So that's what a lot of people do when they serve God and they think that he gave them this sickness or this th whatever to teach them something. The Holy Spirit's our teacher. Amen. Not sickness. The Holy Spirit is our, is our teacher. So he didn't suffer with us. He suffered for us. Amen. And that's what uh, we're going to look at here in 1 Peter 2, 24. It says, who his own self, see there again, it's going to equate sin and sickness together. Who his own self bear our sins on his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Now I want you to notice the word uh, there in the first part. It says, who his own self bear our sins. The, the, the Amplified says he personally bore our sins in his own body on the tree and on the altar he offered himself that we might die or cease to exist and sin, uh, die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds you have been healed. Now that word bore implies substitution. If he bore something for us, that means it's a, it's a substitute. You understand that? It's like a substitute teacher. When the teacher's out, then they got a substitute comes in and teaches the class, right? The, the, the substitute didn't come in and sit in with the teacher. If that was the case, they wouldn't need the substitute. The teacher's there. Amen? So why should we take the, the, the curse of, of poverty, spiritual death, or sickness is all part of the curse, and why should we still bear that sickness in our body when he bore it for us? See, it's substitutionary. It implies suffering for, not suffering with. You see the difference? If Christ bore our sickness, then why should we bear them also? Amen. Now let's go to Isaiah 53, and we're going to close at this passage. Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. We're going to look at about three or four verses here. There was a story that I read a while back about this farming community. Uh, I think it was out in the Midwest somewhere, but the, everybody in the community started getting sick. They couldn't figure out what it was. They, you know, the people popping up here and there going to the doctor and, and they had like a low-grade fever and kind of nausea. They couldn't figure out what it was. And they just kept coming and coming and coming. And finally, it was like, man, what, you know, what's going on in the city? They couldn't figure it out. So, you know, some type of food that's, that's bad or is it, what, what, what is it? Or is it something at school that kids are picking up? They can't ever figure out what it was. And then finally, somebody got smart and said, well, let's go check the water supply. So somebody went down and, and wherever the water supply came from, they found an old sow and some other animals, farm animals, that had gotten into the water supply there and it died and they were down in the water. And these people were drinking this water and it was going to homes and it had bacteria, diseases and things in it and they didn't know what it was. And it was make, making all these people sick. Well, what happened is they went in and they got out the, the source, they dealt with the problem they, they dealt with the root cause of the situation, got it out, and then everybody was okay. Amen. Well, see, Jesus has dealt with the root cause of sickness. He's dealt with us. It's not anything, he's not going to do anything else about it. He's already done it. It's finished. He went to the whipping post. He went to the cross. He died. He went to hell for three days, and he whipped the devil in his own backyard. Amen. Glory to God. And on the third day, he rose again from the dead. Now he's seated at the right hand of the Father. We don't have time to get into it, but see, when we identify with that is this. The old man is gone. We're not going to turn to the scriptures. I'm just going to mention a few of them. But the old man is gone. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says there's a, the old man is gone. Behold, a new man has come. And that new man is the one that's connected to Christ. 
The new man there is the one that's connected to the uh, resurrected Christ. Glory to God. He has no connection. Now, listen to this. This is, this is the key to it right here. The new man that you are on inside of you, the new man you are in Christ has no connection to sin. Do you agree with that? Has no connection to sin because it's where God lives. He's holy. Amen. Now, I know that everything in your body and mind some, wants to scream sometimes about that. So, well, how could that be? How could, I, how could I be holy? Because it's not you. It's who you are on the inside. It's Jesus living on the inside of you. He makes you holy. It's by grace. We believe it and receive it by faith. Amen. But the new man that you're on the inside has no connection to sin. When God looks at you, he looks at you as if you've never missed it before. Amen. That's awesome. Now listen to this. The new man that you're on the inside has no connection to sickness. Why? Because sickness is part of the curse. Now I don't want to feel like I threw a rubber ball against the back wall and come back and hit me. You ever do that when you was a kid and you played ping pong and you didn't have another player so you turn it up, you know, and you hit the ball back, you know, and it came back to you. But this is true. Whether we want to accept it or not, whether we believe it or not, it's true. Is that the new man we are on the inside has no connection to sickness. Amen. No connection to sin, no connection to sickness. It can't live there because God lives there. Glory to God. And sickness is a curse. Sickness comes from the enemy. Amen. So we have no, in this new man that we are, we have no connection to sickness. Glory to God. And so what Jesus did, see, Jesus went to the root of the problem and he dealt with it. Just like they did in that community. They got the, the root of the problem out of the water system. Everybody was okay. Well, Jesus dealt with the problem. Amen. Now we came to Jesus when we got born again. He sozoed us. Amen. Nothing missing, nothing broken. He put us back in, in harmony, back in unity with God. Amen. As if we never missed it. If we'd never done wrong before. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. So let's look at this here in uh, Isaiah 53. Mm. Hallelujah. We don't have time to turn here. Just I want you to stay in Isaiah because that's what we're going to close with. We've still got just a couple minutes. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 5.17, it talks about us, having, about us having a spirit, a soul, and a body. Now, I know a lot of you have animals. You know, I have a dog at home, and he lives in a house, but I don't go to the dog house to pet the dog. Do you? I mean, that'd look kind of weird, wouldn't it? If you walked up to your dog house and you started calling your dog's name and petting the top of the house, or you went to water the dog house, you wouldn't do that because the dog lives in a house, but the house is not the dog. Amen. So the same way with us. We have a spirit. We have a soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions, and we have a body. The body is just a house that we live in, but it's not really you. But see, that's where people get caught up in because they have symptoms. Do you hear me? We have symptoms, and those symptoms are in the body. And because we live in a body, we identify with the symptoms in the body more than who we really are. Who you really are is complete in Christ. Who you really are is a healed child of God on the inside. And you can operate out of what you are on the inside and begin to tell this body on the outside what it's going to do. And to line up with the finished work of Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. But most people identify with the body more than they do the real man, who they are on the inside. But we've got to do, we need to do the other, go the other way. We've got to build up our spirit man so the spirit man is dominant. Amen? The spirit man is dominant. So some people aren't healed because they're waiting on experiences to change. 
They're waiting on some type of experience to give them a, a clue that they're healed. Some people aren't healed because they substitute, now this is good, some people aren't healed because they substitute their belief in healing for personal faith to receive healing. You know, sometimes people think that they believe in healing, but it's just a general belief that God heals. And they substitute that belief that they have in healing for personal faith. See, it's got to be personal. You remember in the beginning I said it's got to be your shout. It's got to be your dance. It's got to be your victory, note of victory. Amen. Romans 15 again, that's what I mentioned, is joy and peace in believing. So it's got to be your shout. Abraham said, you remember when God told him to go and sacrifice his son on the mountain? And he's like, no, this is the promised son that you've given me. And God said, no, I want you to go sacrifice him. So he took him, he got all the sticks gathered up, and he know his son was wondering, what in the world are you doing? You know, where are we going? But he made a statement before he went. He said, I and the lad are going yonder to worship, and both of us are going to return. So he made a statement of faith. So it's got to be your shout. It's got to be your victory. Amen. It's got to be that you know for you, it's your faith that you're healed, not somebody else's testimony. And then lastly, some people aren't healed because they're watching their symptoms as, as a gauge. It's kind of like a tire gauge. When you go put a tire gauge on in the air, you see what, how much air you got in the tire. They, they're watching their symptoms constantly as a gauge. Do I feel healed? I know I had hands laid on me, but I still got a temperature. I had hands laid on me, but I still got some symptoms in my body. Well, that's not no gauge. That, you see, we have, we, we're spiritual beings. We walk by faith, not by sight. We don't walk by how, how it feels. We walk by what God has already accomplished through Christ. Do you see what I'm saying? I know you understand this, but see, it can't be, it can't be just something that we know or that we've heard of, but it's got to be something that's, that's alive on the inside of it that is real to us. Amen. Amen. Not complacent, but it's the word of God. It's something that we esteem and that we hold dear to us and we're walking in. It's alive on the inside of us. Amen. Well, let's read that in Isaiah 53. And we'll be done right here. Isaiah 53 and verse 4 says, Surely he has borne our sicknesses. Now, I wrote that in my Bible, but I'm going to tell you why. The, the King, King James Version says, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet, did, uh, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Now, I'm going to back up that verse there again. It says, Surely he hath borne our griefs. That word griefs actually means sickness. We don't have time to, to study that out today, but you can go look it up. The Greek word, I mean the Hebrew word in the Old Testament there means sickness. So he bore our sickness. He carried our sorrows. That word sorrows means pain and disease. Most people think, well, I just mean I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry right now. I'm sorrowful or whatever. Got cares or whatever. No, look it up. In the, in the Hebrew, it means pain and disease, physical or mental. So he bore our sickness and he carried our pain and diseases, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chast chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. We are healed. Amen. Now go down to verse 10. Verse 10 says, yet it pleased the Lord. Now think about this. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed and shall pr prolong his days and for the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in the land. But up at the first part of the verse, what I wanted to get to, it said it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Amplified says, yet it was the will of the Lord to bruise him and he has put him to grief and he has made him sick. Think about that. It pleased God to bruise him, to put him to grief 
Even the, that word grief there means to become weak, sick, or diseased. So God put our sickness, our weakness, our disease upon Jesus. It pleased him to make him sick. Why? Because he could see the other side of the cross. He knew what it was going to take. He knew that God, uh, uh, that Jesus was our substitute. It's called a divine exchange. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. It's called a divine exchange. So what do we really have? <laughs> that song that we sang in the beginning, look what the Lord has done. What has he really done? Amen. What is it in the finished work of Christ? What did he not do? He did everything. It's complete. We're complete to him. It's finished. So it's not what we have or what we've been given, but it's what are we going to believe and receive about what's been done. Amen. That's what's going to benefit us. What we believe about this word and what we receive from this word about what's been done and finished is what's going to benefit us in our life. Amen. You know, somebody could drive up to your house with a truckload of goods. Free. Give you the bill. Say, it's, it's paid for. Here it is. Give you the goods. It belongs to you. Sign your name on the paper. Here's the deed. Whatever it is, here it is. But it depends on what you do with those goods of how it's going to benefit you or not. You can let them sit there and collect dust, get old and rust, let people break in and steal, whatever it is, and leave them out in the yard and not care about it. You, you see what I'm saying? But it's what you take with those goods and do with those goods is what is going to benefit you from it. Well, we're complete in Christ. Amen. But if we believe that, if we receive that, then that's what's going to benefit us and we can walk in that because we're so owed. Amen. We've been made complete. We've been made whole. So anytime sickness tries to come, you may have symptoms in your body right now, but that has nothing to do whether you're healed or not. So that's where faith comes in. I mean, if we had a card saying we were members of heaven, we wouldn't need faith. If God sent us a letter in the mail and said, I'm going to come back on such and such day at this time, well, what faith would that take? Amen. So it take, that's how we live by faith. We please God with our faith. Amen. We're called, called to live by faith. So it has no difference. It makes no difference about a symptom you have in your body. Amen. What makes a difference is this, is that we believe what's been done. We believe that it's finished and that we receive it into our life. Amen.